888. Good morning. I didn't mean to get up here behind Dusty and take away from the song leading, but we had a little technical snafu that I had to get fixed real quick so Facebook Live can see the uh, the PowerPoint this morning. Well, thanks for being here. Um, so it's January. It's a new year. And what most of us do this time of year is kind of take stock, right? We kind of look back over the last year. We kind of think about what are some things that I might need to change. We commonly call them New Year's resolutions. I would just say they're goals or a strategy for doing something different, making myself different. In business, we set goals every year. We set strategies every year. But in our personal lives, sometimes we don't pay much attention to that and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. I've, in, I've entitled the lesson Setting Spiritual Goals, or Spiritual Goal Setting. <clears throat> uh, in Psalms uh, 20 it says, May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. So we think about the word spiritual in there, it really, it really means two things. Let's set goals that are consistent with what the Lord would want me to do. So let's set whatever goals they need to be kind of uh, uh, under the guides and the text of what the Bible, what the Lord would want me to do. But there's also setting specific spiritual goals. So what am I going to do to make myself better this next year? And we'll circle back at the end of this and talk a little bit about what we talked about at our Wednesday Bible study because... uh, uh, Brother Michael and I uh, kind of came to some same conclusions. I was grilling him about why he came to him at the Bible study, and I was probably been a little unfair to him, but it was because I had come to the same conclusions, and I just wanted to see if his line of thinking and my line of thinking kind of matched up. So when we think about goal setting, that's a very secular term, right? It sounds very businessy. Um, and it probably is because from a spiritual nature, from a church nature, we don't always think about goals a lot. But I think it's important that we do. So uh, are goals important? Look at this statement in uh, Luke. It says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Other translations say they laugh at him. And so how many of us have started a project that we ultimately couldn't or didn't finish, right? Come on. Dusty's the only honest person in the audience. All right. So about, I don't know, it was probably... Ten years ago now, Zach and I decided we're going to restore my granddad's 1970 Chevrolet pickup. Now, it probably wasn't, when you say count the cost, right, that can be both dollars and time. It's not that we ran out of money, but we did get busy doing other things and and ran out of time. So that truck is primered, yellow, high dollar primer, sitting in another barn because it was taking up too much space in the main barn where my dad uses to do all of his work. Because we didn't really count the cost. We started the project, we rebuilt the engine, we got new carburetors for it, we cleaned up all the dents, primed it all, went and took the frame and got it painted. I mean, we, we were gonna, it was going to be really nice. It was going to be something worthy of those things on TV where they rebuild a, re, redo a car. But it's sitting rusting in a barn somewhere. 
because we just didn't count, we didn't look far enough down the road and say, man, it's a three-hour drive up there and back to the barn to work on it, and it's this and it's that, and we're busy, and I'm building a business, and he's learning about our business, and we're, you know, he's got three kids now, so everything takes more time because we didn't count the cost. So understanding where we're going and the goals that are in front of us are important. <clears throat> Proverbs says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So it's important that when we think about the spiritual side of it, that we've got the Lord involved in what it is that we're doing. <clears throat> so think about Moses. We'll go, we'll go dive into the Bible for a minute and, and look at some Old Testament examples. When we think about Moses, right, he's at the burning bush. Obviously, there's a plan involved there. Now, it might not be Moses's. In this case, it might be more the Lord's. But there's a plan involved there. Hey, I need your help. Moses is an earthen vessel to go do some stuff for me. And so in Exodus chapter 3, he begins this, 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 this uh, plan to deliver God's people. Think about Moses after he's delivered God's people. They're on the other side of the Red Sea, and it's and it so busy he can't get everything done. And Jethro, his son and his uh, father-in-law, father-in-law comes to him and says, hey man, there's too much going on here. You can't control it all. Let's create a plan, right? Let's get some, let's get some folks that can judge the lesser matters and only the very important stuff boils up to you because you can't, you can't manage every little problem that's going on out there. We need a plan. We need some goals set. We need to figure it out. And there was even a plan for when Moses would no longer be the leader. There was a succession plan to go from Moses to Joshua. So a lot of planning went on around Moses' life. Think about the story uh, in Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, he is in, in captivity, and he, he sends and he, and he asks a question, what's, what's going on um, with Jerusalem? And he gets a report on the state of Jerusalem, and it says this, And they said to me, The remnants there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. And he says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So it tore Nehemiah up when he got word about what was going on in Jerusalem. And so what did he do? He said he prayed and he fasted for days and he got his mind right. And then he goes to the king <clears throat> that is his captor and he says, hey king, and anybody that's got two X's in their name, I don't pronounce their last name, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, I could try it, but Artaxerxes maybe into letting him go back to Jerusalem. And so he goes to the king and, and he says, hey, and the king says, hey, why are you so down in the dumps? Why are you, you're, you're not your normal self. And he said, well, he said, I got this report, my, 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 the, the town of Jerusalem. And, and he basically, the king feels sorry enough for Nehemiah that he says, well, go, go take care of that. And so Nehemiah assesses the damage. In chapter 2, he comes there and he's walking around by night and he's looking, at the, he's looking at the walls and he's understanding what the damage is. And then he gathers leaders together. So uh, a lot, uh, just, there's, there's a ton of good stuff here when you think about 
how do I get my goals accomplished? Gather some people to help you. In this case, leaders. And those leaders are responsible for different parts of the wall to get them built. One's, one's working on the gate, another's working on some wall that's been burned up, and they've got all these spots that they're trying to get fixed, and the, the, the families or the groups are concentrating on that. Their enemies devise a plan. So enemies are like, hey, we're going to get in there and we're going to, we're going to uh, disrupt this whole thing. And, um, but the Jews that were outside of the city heard about the plan and came in and stood in the gaps in the wall. And so from that point forward, half of the Jews were working and half of the Jews were defending the wall. <clears throat> and then uh, 52 days later, the wall is completed according to Nehemiah chapter 6. So I don't, I don't know how, I should have looked this up, how many feet of wall we're talking about. But the fact that it all got fixed, it was, it was so damaged that Nehemiah was weeping and crying and fasting and praying for days. And, and when they get there, and in 52 days, they get this wall re, re, rebuilt. And the, and, the, and the city reprotected. A lot of planning going on there. And you heard it as we went through that, right? A lot of goals. Hey, you, you go fix this part. And hey, you go do this and you go do that. And he's using his resources around him to get these things solved. Lots of planning. Lots of goals being set. Think about God himself. Think about Genesis chapter 1. Think about what's going on there. In the first, there's nothing. And he says, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to, there's, a, there's no void. I'm going, to, I'm going to start creating these planets. And then he builds on that the next day and the next day. And then finally on the sixth day, he says, man, it's, each step he says is good. And on the sixth day, he says, man, it's good. I'm going to rest. This, this is done. My plan is, my plan is complete. But he even had a plan for us if we fell after he created us. He didn't just stop with, okay, I've created them. I'm, I'm done. He had a plan for us if we didn't want to do what we should be doing. It says from the very foundations of the world, so from when he built it, he had a plan for how he was going to how he was going to save man. Think about the prophecies of Christ. I forgot. I've heard 600 and something prophecies, something like that. I've not counted them all. 600 prophecies. Those are all planning increments that are leading to Christ that he ultimately fulfills on the cross. But God wasn't done yet. He had, a, he had a plan and a purpose for the church, for us. So I'm going to give you the gospel. I'm going to teach you how to save people. I'm going to teach you how to add people to the church. I'm going to teach you how to live your life. I'm going to teach you how to get closer to me. And we're going to look at a New Testament example this morning as we think about that. Well, I just wanted to jump back to resolutions real quick. You know what the top ten resolutions are in January? You can probably guess the number one one, right? The number one one is lose weight. Everybody wants to lose a little weight that they gained all year long. Number two is manage or save money. Number three, get physically fit. Number four, eat healthy. Five, learn something new. Six, drink less alcohol. Seven, quit smoking. Uh, seven, eight, reduce stress. Nine, take a trip somewhere. And ten, volunteer to help others. Here's the statistics. You know how long it takes for us to break those? 33% of them are broken by the end of January. We're done by the end of January. <laughs> four weeks into this deal, we're done. 
over 80% of them are broken uh, in, the, in the whole year, most of them by June, according to the survey that I read. So by June, almost 80% of the resolutions that we've set forth here in America have gone by the wayside. It's kind of it's like this little example. We had all these great things we were going to do in 2021, and we didn't get them done. We just moved all that baggage to 2022. <laughs> So the same goals I had last year that I didn't get done are the goals that are, I'm, I'm setting up as my New Year's resolutions this year. I know that because there's been several years where lose weight was, was on there, didn't get done, and they just moved me. I still need to lose weight. Yeah, still, I still. Well, Paul um, has got a unique story to tell us, and it, it occurs in, in Philippians. But Paul's going to tell us a little bit about the how and the what. When we think about when we think about goal setting, so here's the scene. Paul is in a Roman prison. Every day he wakes up. It's a new year. It's a great day to set some goals and make some resolutions because he did he didn't get killed the day before in prison. Um, every day could be his last. And so, what was Paul thinking about? Well, we know what Paul was thinking about because he wrote a lot of letters from Rome. In particularly, he wrote this letter to the Philippians that we're going to look about, look and study here for, for a moment. So in Philippians uh, chapter 3, it says, not only these things. Well, what only, what is, what's he mean when he says not only these things? Well, if you read earlier in this, in this chapter, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was born to the tribe of Benjamin. I was, I was, I, I loved my religion so much that I was persecuting Christians. But he says, not only these things, but now I think that all things are worth nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So what other things could you put in it? He says, all things. It doesn't matter if you got five bucks in your checking account or 50 million. That's not important. What's important is that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and that we know him. It doesn't matter how many cars we've got or how big our houses are. How good the jobs we've got or how much money we make. He's saying none of that, none of those things matter. I mean, I thought I was doing good. I was thinking about religious things, but... No, that, that those things don't matter. He goes on to say, because of Jesus, because of Christ, I lost all these things, and now I know they are all worthless trash. All I want now is Christ. I want to belong to Him. In Christ, I am right with God, but my being right does not come from following the law. It comes from God through faith. God uses my faith in Christ to make me right with Him. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him from death. I want to share in his sufferings and be like him even in his death. Then there is hope that I myself will somehow be raised from death. I don't mean that I'm exactly what God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal. But I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. It is a reason he made me his Brothers and sisters, I know that I have that I still have a long way to go, but there is one thing I do. I forget what is in the past, and I try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard, I keep running hard towards the finish line to get the prize that is mine, because God has called me through Christ Jesus to life up there in heaven. 
all of us who have grown to be spiritually mature should think this way too. And if there is any of you that you don't agree with, God, if there is any of this that you don't agree with, God will make it clear to you. So Paul here, he, he, he says uh, he's, he's running hard to reach a goal. He says, but there's one thing I do. I forget what is in the past and try hard as I can to reach the goal before me. He says, one thing. One thing is important. One thing is ultimately important. And so we need to take stock as we normally do this time of year as to what's important in our life. What are, we, what are we spending our effort and our energy, time, treasure, all that stuff on? What's important? Those don't always work out. And um, when we think about the Apostle Paul, here's what didn't work out for him. So it's not necessarily easy. But the Apostle Paul said, man, I've been shipwrecked, I've been hungry, I've been starving, I've, I've been beaten, I've been close to death, I'm here in a Roman prison. But none of that matters either. And he said, beside all of that, the care of the churches is on my shoulder. That's a lot on one man's shoulder. Yet he wrote what he just wrote there that we read in Philippians chapter 3. I really should have had this earlier, but according to uh, psychology professors at Florida State University, most resolutions are too general and we have too many resolutions. And what it says is we only have a limited amount of willpower. Willpower is what drives us to uh, complete a goal or to complete a mission or, or whatever. And if we start dividing that willpower amongst multiple things that we're thinking about and trying to do, we probably don't accomplish any of them or it becomes much more difficult to accomplish them at the levels and hopes and expectations and dreams that we have for them. So, um, Paul said, um, forget what is in the past. So when you think about that list of everything that had gone wrong in Paul's life, I think he had a history that he could, he could stand firmly on to say, man, what I do doesn't work out. But that's not what he was standing on. He said, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been, you, you saw the list. I've got all this stuff that's going on in my life, but that's not where I'm focused. I'm not focused backwards. I'm not focused on history. I'm not focused on every time I get on a ship, it runs aground somewhere or whatever. He's not focused on that. He said, forget that stuff that's going on in the past and, and neglect it. History's good for one thing, and that's just learning some lessons from it so maybe we don't do the same thing again. <clears throat> So, mindset about history and what's gone in our past, yeah, I failed there, so what? That doesn't affect future. I made a mistake, but I learned from it. Hey, um, I won't ever do that again. That's the way God used, God's using that in my life to make sure that I do it. Those are all would be the right attitudes about what's gone on in the past. 
not I can't do it because of what went on in the past, but hey, that was the past. I learned from it. God had a plan for me. Now we're moving forward. So that's the first thing he said is I forget what's in the past. That, that, doesn't, that does not enter into my thought process when I think about where I'm going. The next thing he said was one thing. We've already talked about this a little bit. This one thing I do. Colonel William Post was a leading in was a leader in Desert Storm, and he was the one that was responsible for taking all of the incoming supplies uh, into the United States Ground Forces there in Kuwait. And he got a um, memo from the uh, Pentagon and um, said the message says, "Hey, Colonel." Um, they requested an accounting for 40 cases of grape jelly that from their records was missing. So uh, Colonel Colonel William Post, he sent out a guy, and the guy came back and said, uh, man, I don't know where the grape jelly is. I can't find it. He sent back a deal to the Pentagon and said, we can't find the grape jelly. Thought that would be the end of it. The Pentagon sends him back a message and says, hey, we can't lose stuff. So it's important that you go find these 40 cases of grape jelly. The colonel sent back a memo that said, I can either liberate Kuwait or I can go find grape jelly. Which one do you want me to do? I can only do one thing. And that's what we've got to be. We've got to be singularly focused. I I can only do one thing. I can't focus on all of this stuff. I don't have enough time, willpower, energy, all of that. One thing. Rich young ruler, I'm sure we're all familiar, we remember that story. He came to Jesus and, and, and they were talking and, and, he's, and Jesus gave him a law and he said, hey, what do I lack? And Jesus gave him a law and this. He said, man, I've done that since I was a little bitty kid. From a youth up, I've kept that stuff. He said, one thing you lack. He was materialistic. He said, go and sell everything you've got, give it to the poor. Mary and Martha, they were struggling with Jesus. And um, Jesus said to Martha, only one thing is needed. David in Psalms 27 said, One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek. The rest of that chapter goes on to say the one thing that he was desiring to seek was to dwell in the house of the Lord. So we've got to make sure that our one thing is focused spiritually on the right thing and that we're not too distracted from all the other stuff that's going on in our lives. Then he says, so, so what was Paul focused on? That was the question I was going to ask. So what was Paul focused on? Well, he says, I keep running hard toward the finish line to get the prize that is mine because God has called me through Christ Jesus to life up there in heaven. That's his goal. His one thing is life up there in heaven. That's what he's called on. That's what he's running towards. That's what he's headed towards. And so when you think about, again, everything that's going on in our, in our lives, is that our number one goal? Is that what we're focused on every day? Every day. Do we have too many irons in the fire? Heard a guy one time said, stomp out the fire, pull out the irons. You've got to fix that situation. 
part number three. So, is I do. So, so forget about the past. Focus on the right thing. And then do it. Do it. That's the hardest part, probably. We can probably all come up with some stuff that supports the one thing of trying to get to heaven, but doing it. Paul says, I keep trying as hard as I can. I'm running hard toward the finish line. Other versions say, press on. So today, if, if we don't do anything else, what's the one thing that we're committed to doing? Jesus did the one thing. We know that he did. He came to this earth and he gave his life for us. So start thinking about the one thing that you have never done, the one thing that you need to do this year to stay focused on the right goal. To a life up there in heaven. So in the chapter right after this one, Here's what Paul writes. Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is commendable, if there are any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Think about these things. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So you said, well, yes, you said think about on one thing, but he lists 20 things there. Well, what you've got to do is figure out what's the one thing I'm focused on, and then what are the behaviors that I have to change in order to be in unison. We call them tactics in business. So I put out a strategic plan. I've got a goal, and I've got tactics. That's what I'm going to do every day in support of that goal. That's what he's doing here. He's like, think about these things. These are the tactics. These are the things that will help you do what you're trying to do in order to get to heaven. So, in our Bible study this week, we were talking about COVID, we were talking about the church, we were talking about where we wanted to take our Bible study uh, over the next uh, months and, and, I don't know, maybe a year. We had a lot of thoughts. (laughs) But one of the things that um, Brother Matt said, COVID has put us into a cocoon. And I'll just tell you from a business perspective, from a church perspective, from a lot of different perspectives, COVID has made us, and I know I don't like this word, but it has made us lazy. It has made people at work say, well, I'll just work from home, whatever that means. I mean, I know some people can be productive at home. The last time this week, I went home and worked from home after lunch, and I worked till 7.30, straight through to 7.30. So, I mean, I know people can be productive. But it has, um, you know, I've got people that, well, I'm not willing to drive the hour and a half that I was willing to drive to get to the office before the, before the COVID. I'm not willing to do, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a whole change in our culture going on. Brother Michael said, man, I just don't feel like we're um, as joined together 
at Anna Street as we were prior to COVID. And I said, I started, that's when I started drilling down. What makes you feel that way? How's that manifested? And some of you that were there, you, you saw that drill down. Brother Michael had an answer for all of it. And most of it was exactly the same way that I felt. I felt like we're not as tight as we used to be. And so the purpose of the lesson this morning was to get us to thinking about all the stuff that's going on around us that ultimately burns up, that's not important, and get us focused on the one thing that needs to be the singular purpose that drives us. And that is that we want to do, just like Paul, we want to be in heaven someday with our Lord. If that's the one thing that's driving us, so in work, we talk about guiding principles. I keep going back to work. But we have four of those guiding principles, four guiding principles. And at work, we say these are the principles by which we, uh, the lens by which we make decisions. Well, that's what we're talking about here. If you've got one thing, if your goal is to go up that ladder to heaven, if that's the right metaphor, it will guide your decisions about what's going on on this earth. It will guide your decisions about everything. It will guide your decisions about what I watch on TV. It will guide your decisions about how you treat people. It will guide your decisions, everything. Everything will be funneled through that lens of I'm headed up that ladder to meet my board. And so that's the purpose of it. I, um, I told, or Michael told me, and I told Michael, I can't remember how, how this went down, but um, part of my feeling of, of that way about our group is probably me. It's me not feeling as connected or me not being as um, with the right goals, with the right mindset. With, and so I recognize that uh, for a feeling to exist almost always, there's, there's two sides to that. So my, my call, my uh, desire, my hope is that well, I know COVID's scary. I know everything's going on out there scary, but I just like for us to plow through that and uh, get focused on um, getting back together. If we're not, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm on the outside and y'all are all golden, but that, and that can be the case. Um, but that was the purpose of the lesson. That's why I put it together. And then when we had our study on uh, Wednesday night, I said, hey, Matt, Michael, come look at this. Because this, I was thinking the exact same thing, and that was the purpose of putting the letter, the, the lesson together today. So if we can help you, if uh, there's anything the church can do for you this morning, we stand ready to uh, serve you if you need prayers, or if you'd like to be baptized and, and join the church and be a part of the saved and be a part of those that have the goal of climbing that ladder and getting to heaven, then uh, come and have a seat on the front pew, and we'll be glad to help you.